Real leaders leave a legacy. They capture the hearts and minds of their teams. Their origin story puts the safety and well-being of their people first. Great companies ubiquitously have safe yet productive operations. For those companies, safety is an investment, not a cost for the C-suite. It's a real topic of daily focus. This is The Safety Guru with your host, Eric McCroskey, a globally recognized ops and safety guru, public speaker, and author. Are you ready to leave a safety legacy? Your legacy success story begins now. Hi, and welcome to The Safety Guru. Today, I'm very excited to have with me Brian Filco. He's uh, President and CEO of uh, Jetco Deliveries and also EVP of the GTI Group. Uh, so Jetco is part of the GTI Group. Uh, so really excited to have you with me, Brian. Uh, what's really cool about what you've done is you've had a, a lot of work leading companies, but bringing safety first in all of those organizations. Um, and in fact, uh, just recently, just a, a couple of weeks ago, you were awarded a very prestigious prize by the National Safety Council, which is awarded every year of CEOs who get it. Uh, basically, a, a handful of CEOs every year that, that find ways to incorporate safety in everything they do. This is really exciting, Brian. So tell me a little bit about that prize and then let's get into how you got into, into safety and then this passion as an executive. Thank you so much for having me uh, on this podcast, Eric. I really appreciate it. Uh, well, the National Safety Council recognition is really exciting. Again, they, they, they pick, as you said, CEOs, I think six or eight a year uh, who really have a proven track record of being safe and productive. You know, mm -hmm. safety and productivity, it's not, it's not <laughs> an either or choice, it's both. Exactly. And, and so, you know, I, I think that the more I've gone on, the more, I, the more I recognize, and I would encourage other people to recognize that safety is at the foundation of an excellent operation. Safety is at the foundation of a profitable business. Mm -hmm. Too many people have this idea, Eric, that safety and productivity are in conflict with one another Agreed. when nothing further could be from the truth. Uh, um, in my own organization, if I see things getting a little bumpy with safety, I, it's my, it's my bellwether. I know that we may have deeper issues somewhere in the operation. Mm -hmm. They're one and the same. I, I completely agree. So, so tell me about where you got that realization. Cause it, it's rare to get a CEO who, who has that perspective. Obviously, there's some great case studies from Alcoa, as an example, um, is probably the most celebrated. Uh, but where did you get that realization that safety really is a barometer for for running a good business? Well, so my, my career is a little, a little different. <laughs> I began my career practicing corporate law uh, in Milwaukee and went to go work as the chief operating officer for my favorite client. And they were in the recycling business. Mm -hmm. So that's my first exposure to kind of high consequence business because you're operating recycling plants, trucks. Um, and I always look, it was never that I didn't value safety. Of course, yeah. I, it was always important. But having it be important and knowing how to make it happen are two different things. Mm -hmm. So along the way, we sold the recycling company to Waste Management, which is based in Houston. And... Um, I got to waste a couple of years after a new leadership team came in and took, in my opinion, waste management on a worst to first journey. And I was so lucky to learn uh, from these people. Mm. And so tell me a little bit about that journey, because it's not a, a journey that 
uh, is talked about as much. So tell me a little bit more about waste management and what was unique about the leaders that you observed there and the approaches that they took to, to running the business safely. The approach at waste management was behavior based. Mm -hmm. It was frontline engagement based. So there was a lot of focus on safety branding. There's a lot of focus on keeping rules and regulations understandable. Yeah. The idea being that if you have all the rules and regulations you want, but if they're not understandable by the intended audience, you don't have rules and regulations. You have words on paper. Exactly. So it, it was a very frontline uh, engagement behavior-based focus. Um, and you know, when you start talking about safety culture, mm -hmm. uh, people tend to think, well, it's, that it's a feel-good proposition. No, no, it's a hardcore business proposition. So there was also a focus on those behaviors, which are more likely than not to um, uh, get you a one-way ticket out of the company. So I really was able to kind of learn at waste how to engage, how to motivate, but also how to make it clear that we're not messing around. And if you don't, if you choose not to behave in alignment with our values, then you're going to go find somewhere else to work. Yeah, I, I think that's that's really important. So tell me, let's fast forward to your current role. Um, I, I love the topic of frontline engagement. Tell me some of the strategies that you're using that are very effective, because a lot of organizations talk about engagement, but it's really not total engagement. It's, it's a once here and there, I have a workshop involves a couple of, of employees. Tell me about your, your approach to engagement. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right about sometimes people will say, all right, we had the meeting this year, we can check the box and move on. Yeah. Engagement is not a project. People treat it like a project or they treat it like an initiative. Mm -hmm. It's part and parcel of your company culture and then your safety culture is also part and parcel of your company culture. Where you've got an engaged workforce, you've got a safe workforce. Mm -hmm. um, you've got a workforce that is in alignment with your values. So part of creating an engaged workforce is, you know, first of all, um, can't always be so serious, right? <laughs> so we try and have some fun with safety recognition awards. Mm -hmm. The key thing to do is it's no longer enough to get into your employees' hearts and minds, you got to get into the families too, right. because we're just too distracted. We're a text message, a, a you know Facebook uh, post away from our families at all times. So one of the things you know we're always communicating with the families. We want mm -hmm. our families to partner with us in getting their loved ones home every night. Uh, oh, one wow. of my favorite things that we do is um, uh, we have a kids art contest, mm -hmm. and the uh, we, you know, everybody wins something, right? But <laughs> we, we pick art and that goes into our calendar. So we just released our 2022 calendar and it's not pictures of, you know, trucks and sure. trailers, it's pictures from the heart. I love it. And that's the key, I think, to engaging people is to make them understand that safety is about you. It's about me. It's about your family. It, it's not about, you know, um, uh, big, thick handbooks. And it, it's about behavior. It's about holding yourselves and holding one another accountable. Um, and to create an engaged workforce, um, em em employees crave process because without process, mm -hmm. they never know what's going to happen one day or the next. Sure. So to create engagement, we've worked on 
clear, understandable process. Our employees wrote our best practice manual. I love it. Nothing off the shelf. Yeah. Is it this part around engaging the families is really interesting because I, 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 I've seen a lot of organizations that are good at engaging the engaged employees and building processes, building practices, which is really good, making it real, realizing that safety is really personal. But I think taking it to the family is is even more powerful because then you get another ally every day that's reminding them of why they need to make safe choices. That's really, really cool. So you, you mentioned a little bit about behaviors. So uh, most of the work you have, I assume there's a lot of lone worker or independent workers. Uh, how, how do you make sure that you see the right behaviors on a daily basis? Is it more than an observation program, I'm assuming? Yeah, well, an, an observation program is, is really just just the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, we could all take a lesson from the U.S. Uh, airline industry and the FAA, um, where there's so much encouragement. It's really not encouragement. It's an expectation that um, people self-report mm -hmm. and that, that, you know, there's no retribution, in other words, for reporting near misses, for reporting unsafe conditions. So, so part of the observation process you know, the, there's the old saying, manage by walking around. Yep. Well, okay, I understand manage by walking around. I could go take a walk around, and it is what it is. But what I'm more interested in is having peers, peer-to-peer -peer mm -hmm. observations. Their eyes are better than mine. They're going to see more than me. Um, making sure I've got a culture where if somebody in good faith makes a mistake, or observes an unsafe condition, un, unsafe behavior, that's done, you know, where it's an honest type situation, that, that we're focused on continuous improvement. You see, when you've got that punitive culture, yep. you're never gonna engage your employees. If everything is a write up and a punishment, the game is over, percent. not gonna work. hundred <laughs> percent. I, I came out from the airline industry and, and understand what that means. Uh, but what's unique is a lot of people admire that of the airline industry, but are scared of taking the leap towards it. Um, how, how did you take that leap towards it in a Jetco to make sure that that the people would would um, recognize and feel safe, but also that you weren't going to create more liability, more risk by opening up the the, the, the absence of punishment? Eric, when I speak, I. I do some I do some keynote speaking. I talk about the three T's: treatment, transparency, and mm -hmm. trust. And it's that last one. I mean, I could tell you all day long that that we're not gonna we're we're gonna use quote unquote punishment only in the, the most egregious cases. But until you try it, until you test me, mm -hmm. it's just words. Yep. If I if, if I allow us to get punitive with somebody that innocently and honestly reports a close call. I know that's the last near miss close call that I'm going to get. 100%. So it's up to me to manage my behavior, keep my commitment, um, define those violations that are life critical and that aren't going to be met with too kindly. And then the others, we look for uh, uh, you know, improving the system. And if we need to do extra training for our team, that's an investment in our great people. I'm happy to do it. Mm -hmm. That's that's cool. So, so when, when you came in role, um, how did you start creating the trust? Because it takes a lot of trust to, to create an environment like this. What signals did you intentionally send in your in your business to 
to, to show that you really trusted team members, you wanted their input, uh, and you were going to treat them fairly if, if something, if people made an honest mistake. Yeah, trust is so hard to build and it's so <laughs> easy to lose. Um, so it, it's, it's an everyday challenge, but some of the things that we did, um, you know, this, this isn't necessarily safety related, but sure. bear with me. Um, in our business, your pay can be variable. It can be based on, you know, either your hours worked or miles run. There's, you know, there's, there's variability. And with that comes um, uh, some potential for um, payroll error. Mm -hmm. And, you know, nothing like, nothing like, nothing like payroll errors destroy trust. <laughs> and yes. we weren't that good or that timely uh, about fixing the errors. So what we did is we put together a group email for payroll errors. And we promised that if you use that email, the issue would be addressed and fixed either same day or next day at the latest. That completely fixed the problem. That built trust. Mm -hmm. And that trust then extended um, to people's engagement with the organization and, and to safety. So, you know, it, it can't just be narrowly focused on safety. You have to have an organization where there's trust, where the door is open, where you're heard. One of the ways that we break trust all the time is we listen to somebody, we give them lip service, we say, yeah, yeah, good idea, and then we never follow up. Mm -hmm. I mean, how does the person giving that information feel? So there's a lot of different ways we we can we can break trust and just make sure that you and your leadership team is uh are, are aligned on that i i agree i think that um because you you create a lot of like you talked a little bit about how you brought in just culture um just culture is a component of it but for for people to understand that safety is a value um that leaders understand it you have to do a lot of things at the front end i'm assuming to to create that's the environment this episode of the Safety Guru Podcast is brought to you by Propolo Consulting, the leading safety and safety culture advisory firm. Whether you are looking to assess your safety culture, develop strategies to level up your safety performance, introduce human performance capabilities, re-energize your BBS program, enhance supervisory safety capabilities, or introduce unique safety leadership training and talent solutions, Propolo has you covered. Visit us at propolo.com. So Brian, when, when you started your role, um, I'm assuming you didn't inherit a culture that was already at that level of maturity. You've talked about just culture and how, how you created the environment from it for it, but it takes more than just culture to get a great safety culture. What are some of the things that you did with your leaders to get them on board with where you wanted to go with the culture you wanted to drive what did you do with some of the team members to to really get them aligned with with your vision around safety eric i'd say that it happened sort of organically in other words there was a there was a commitment mm -hmm. to, to safety but it, it wasn't necessarily one that we were deliberate okay. about meaning that you know other things could compete for safety um that's why I've, you know, for years have been kind of telling our team safety is not a priority exactly. because priorities shift. Um, if you see a sign that says safety is a priority, tear it down. Safety is a value. Um, 
You've got, you've got, so you've got to, first of all, truly be prepared to live that way. That Well, production pressure is important. It's critically important. Production pressure is good. It's yep. not bad. It means we're busy. Um, it can never, ever leapfrog safety. Nothing can compete for safety. So you have to have that non-negotiable value alignment to start. And then to build a healthy company or safety culture, really, uh, this may sound like I'm oversimplifying it, but I think it is this simple. It's the convergence of the right people and the right mm -hmm. process working in harmony. And if you don't have the right people, um, you, you yeah. might have some choices to make. And I, I believe that most people are mm -hmm. very Great. coachable, but there's that small yeah. handful that's not. And, you know, the real problem comes when you're trying to build that culture is you got that small handful of uncoachable people who, by the way, are yeah. technically good. They know what they're doing on their job. So, so replacing them is not convenient, mm -hmm. but you have to. You have to if you really want to walk the walk once coaching has failed. Because if you don't, besides the obvious safety risk, you're telling the rest of your team who are pulling hard in your direction that their efforts don't matter. So, so you're, you're, you know, by, by allowing uncoachable, toxic people to stay in your company, you're sending the vast majority of your people the exact wrong message, which is we have two sets of rules, you know, one for all of you and one for <laughs> our, our select few people here who can get away with what they want. So, you know, it's, it's having the right people, the right process. And I think I mentioned before in our conversation that the problem with process, in my mind, for a lot of us is not that we don't have enough, is, mm -hmm. is that we have too much, we're drowning in it, and none of it's understandable yeah. by the intended audience. So, you know, the right people, an understandable process that there is no excuse for not following. I completely agree. And I think that that's a theme that I've personally struggled with that in the past where you allow somebody who's maybe not right, doesn't have the right values alignment because they're a high performer and you end up, you end up paying for it in the long run. Um, and you do have to make those tough decisions at times when, when, when coaching has failed. Um, because the other part is, is you're otherwise you're gonna you're sending a message to the frontline team members as well that safety is not necessarily always a value. It is when it's convenient. That's right. It, it, it cannot be situational. Yeah, I, I think you've done phenomenal work. I love that that you really take this view that safety and production and quality can coexist at the same time and must coexist at the same time, and that safety is really a a barometer for everything else. Um, there's a there's a handful of leaders that I've seen over the years that that look at it that way and 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 invest and make decisions that way. Um, so I think that's that's phenomenal. Well, I mean, I think I think I appreciate it. I'm, I'll be honest, I've learned it a lot of times the hard way. But people mm -hmm. who say, "Well, safety is expensive," um, I ask them to consider the opposite. Yeah. You know? And 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 safety is compared to the cost of crashes and incidents. Um, and the other thing is, ask yourself, what is the real cost of that incident? People will look at their insurance loss runs and they'll say, well, it was an injury and I've got $10,000 reserved. That's the, that's the cost. And I'll, mm -hmm. I will call bull on that right away. The cost of an incident is so much more than that when you think about not just the injury itself and the insurance claim, but you know, put a price on your eyesight, put a price mm -hmm. on your arms, put a price on your life. You can't put some things on yeah. a spreadsheet 
But I will tell you some things that you can put on a spreadsheet. You let your experience modifier go, good luck getting the best customers, right? Mm -hmm. Your safety performance gives you a competitive advantage in the marketplace. I don't know if that was true 20 years ago in a lot of industries, but I know it's true today. Yeah. So it is a hardcore business proposition, not to mention, you know, in last year, the, one of the buzzwords in 2021 was the great resignation, whatever that means. <laughs> yes. But, you know, if you have a culture that doesn't care about safety, you're also not investing in your employees and engagement. Why would I want to yeah. work for you if you really are going to put me in harm's way? You're not going to help ma mitigate inherent risk in the job. I'm going to go work for somebody that wants to get me home every night. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to work for you uh, uh, if, if you don't care about me first. So it, it, it's key to engagement. It's key to showing your employees you care, putting your employees first. And it's also key in the day and age that we live in to customer confidence. And yeah. pretty much any business you've got, customers have choices. And the best customers, not all customers, but the best yeah. customers are going to vet you for your safety uh, commitment. Yeah, I, I think that's incredibly true. And I, I think your your comment is is really key. I I, uh, I remember looking at a, a this was a particular construction project on the Gulf Coast, and they had a significant investment in safety. They truly own safety across the site. Um, but when you looked at on those really hot muggy days in summer, their absenteeism was next to none. Versus almost all the other sites, the absenteeism was in the ten to twenty percent range. Um, and then when it came to turnover, they were dealing with turnover of one to two percent versus others in the 10 plus percent um, significant differences because people wanted to work there. Um, people talk about engagement. But at the end of the day, what is engagement if you can't even come home to your home to your loved ones every day? Yeah, you can pretty much put the <laughs> pool tables and foosball tables off to the side. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter. It, 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 it doesn't, doesn't matter at that point. Real engagement happens when people know they're cared for. Exactly. So I, I, I love all the themes you've shared. Uh, you've also written a book and you've got a course. Tell me a little bit about your book and, and the course that you've developed, uh, sharing some of your thoughts in this space. Sure. Thank you. I wrote a book and we published it, I think, in 2016 called Leading People Safely. You know, we began our conversation talking about waste management, and I had the privilege to learn from Jim Schultz, who was the SVP, Senior Vice President of Safety at Waste Management. We co-wrote Leading People Safely together. So it's really a, a pool of um, our, our experiences. In fact, we just, just did a reprint in paperback. Um, hmm. So uh, it, it's, uh, it's sort of, again, the summation of what we know, and it's not meant to be a handbook like you must do things this way. You read yep. it, you take the ideas, and you make them your own. You know, you yeah. suit them, you know, fit them to your business. But the book's done real well. And, um, you know, then last year, I guess late 2020, I launched a course called Making Safety Happen. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been a lot of fun to do. And I'm, I'm looking to grow the course this year. But it's an online on-demand course. So you watch it at your convenience. There's various tools that you download. And once again, mm -hmm. not one size fits all. You download them, make them your own. Um, and then I have two price levels. One price level is for people that want the course and the tools. Great. Yep. But then another, I do six live monthly workshops. And I keep the workshops small, so they're meant to be conversations. It's called Reverse Classroom. So hmm. six courses, six, six workshops, and my course online has six modules. So 
workshop one is tied to module one. Mm -hmm. And um, then we, we talk about uh, what was in the course and, and how you apply it, and, and we get deeper into discussion. So uh, the workshops are fun because if I can get the right people in them, and we've had over 300 people go through already, um, uh, you just had, for me, the fun is listening, learning, and having conversations. I love it. So, so thank you uh, as a CEO to, for the gift of safety you're giving to your team members every single day um, and your commitment. And congratulations on the NSC uh, prize that you, you just recently got. Uh, I can definitely say from your story that you're definitely a CEO that gets it um, and really appreciate you sharing your journey, your learning, and how you went from being lawyer to safety guru and, and, and executive. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. Like what we do? Share this on your socials and tell everyone. Thank you for listening to the Safety Guru on C-Suite Radio. Leave a legacy. Distinguish yourself from the pack. Grow your success. Capture the hearts and minds of your teams. Fuel your future. Come back in two weeks for the next episode or listen to our sister show with the Ops Guru, Eric McCroskey.